Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This is Spencer Smith, and I'm here with Evangelist Dwight Smith. Brother Smith, say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. So glad to be on this podcast today. Amen. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we appreciate the Anchor app uh, helping us to do this. I want to start out beginning just by reading a verse on evangelism. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says this, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And today we have one of one of my favorite uh, evangelists in America today, Brother Dwight Smith, come a personal friend of mine. And I've just gotten to know this guy. He's been a real blessing to me. And I appreciate him taking the time to come on here and talk with us today about evangelism. And Brother Smith, tell us, uh, tell us just a quick uh, sum it up for us, uh, your ministry, your testimony. Just tell us uh, how you got into evangelism. Give us, give us the rundown on all of that. Well, you know, the Lord saved me when I was just a boy. I, I believe that he called me to preach at the same time that I was saved. And I grew up in a, in a big church in northwestern Indiana and uh, heard the gospel at church and at home. And I believe that when God called me to preach, he, he, uh, he uh, set, my, set my sails towards evangelism. When I, was about, uh, when I was about nine, we moved to Minnesota, and I had, um, I had uh, started to drift from the Lord and get cold towards the Lord. I had a friend that was not a good friend, not a good influence. And, and, uh, and I came home one night and I got a, a little book in the mail from my auntie LaDonna, Sugar Creek Gang book, Sugar Creek Gang and the Killer Bear. And it's interesting that Paul Hutchins, who's the author of Sugar Creek Gang books, was an evangelist, but because of uh, some, um, some kind of a physical injury or handicap, he was an invalid for many years. And while he was an invalid, he wrote those books. And so anyway, God really used that book in my life to get me on back on track. I read it through one night and uh, really the Lord really used that. It made a huge impact. And I, I got done reading it and I said, Lord, I'm so far from you. I don't even know if I'm saved. And I said, if I'm saved, I just want you to have all my life. If I'm not saved, I, I want you to save me. And I know I was saved when I was a boy. That was a time of total uh, surrender to the Lord. Hmm. Oh, man. When I was in 10th grade, I went down to the Bill Rice Ranch in Tennessee. It was their 35th anniversary week, and, and it was probably a little unusual that I would go there because our church had a camp up in Minnesota, and um, we had a um, – uh, uh, I went there, and I went to a camp up in Wisconsin as well that year. So I'd already been to two camps that summer, but this opportunity came up with another church, and so I went ahead and I went with that camp. And so, um, so I was, um, uh, you know, the Lord really used it. Paul Levine was preaching. Uh, Bob Kelly was preaching. Bill Rice III was preaching. And really, the Lord confirmed to me that week that he wanted me to be an evangelist. So that's what I did, and I set my sights towards it. And uh, my dad said, well, if you're going to be an evangelist, then you need to be around evangelists and figure out how they speak and how they preach and how they think and what they do and and so we drive, you know, an hour one way sometimes just to uh, just to um, get to hear an evangelist. And I'm really thankful for my dad's insight in that. And we'll praise the Lord. And so so, you know, from a young age that God wanted you to be an evangelism and burn up the roads for Jesus. Amen. I did. Yep. <laughs> good, good. And, uh, and then also you went to train for the ministry there at Ambassador Baptist College. Isn't that right? I did. I trained at Ambassador uh Brother Comfort started the college in 1989. He started for the purpose of uh, training full-time Christian servants. He'd just seen a decline, and 
Christian colleges and a decline away from an emphasis on full-time Christian ministry and away from an emphasis on uh, Bible uh, Bible training. And, and of course, he being an evangelist, and he'd been at that time 25 years in evangelism when he started the school, he just was very burdened for uh, propagating the gift. And mm-hmm. so I'm thankful, thankful to have been around his influence and still am a friend of his today. I'm thankful for his guidance in that area. Amen. Well, good, good. Yeah, Brother brother Comfort, I've heard him preach many times. He's been a blessing to my heart, and I appreciate that so much. And, uh, well, listen, we've got, I've got I'll text you three points here about evangelism. We won't go, try to go through these. The design of the evangelist, the desire of the evangelist, and the decline of the evangelist. And so let's talk about, first of all, the, the, design, or the design of the evangelist. And, um, and, you know, there's been some folks who have debated this over the years. And in your opinion, just, you know, you've been doing this so, many, so long now. Uh, what, what is the role that the evangelist is supposed to play in the work of the ministry today? What, what is it designed to do? What did God ordain this office for? Well, there's three times that the word evangelist is used in the English. Of course, the root word is the word from which we get the word gospel. So uh, he's a gospel herald. And so there's no doubt that's a heart. That's a part of his heart. I say I like to say that an evangelist, according to the Bible, has two arms: one to get the gospel to the lost, and one to get revival to the saved. Mm. And uh, so, really, an evangelist in Acts chapter eight, we find Philip uh, doing the work of an evangelist in Acts. In uh, later in the text, we find Philip the evangelist mentioned. So there's actually four times where the word is mentioned. Um, and then in in the book of First uh, Timothy and Second Timothy, chapter four, it's talking about Paul. Uh, Paul speaking to Timothy, and he says, "Do the work of an evangelist." Hmm. And uh, then it's mentioned in Ephesians chapter four, which is the passage you start out with, which is a really good passage to show that he's God's gift to the local church, and it's a supernatural gifting uh, to the local church uh, from the Lord, so that the church can effectively reach the world. And uh, the evangelist is, has a heartbeat for the lost. In Acts chapter 8, Philip is uh, doing the work of the evangelist in reaching lost souls. So he does personal evangelism with the Ethiopian eunuch. He does city evangelism with the uh, area-wide meeting or the city meeting. And then he does itinerant evangelism, going from place to place. And uh, so that's him reaching the lost with the gospel. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, it says he's given along with the other gifts, the prophet, the uh, apostle, the ap- prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor teacher for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so that's within the confines of the local church so that he can equip that local church uh, to do evangelism and so that he can get them to revival. In other words, when I go into a meeting, I'm, I'm desirous to preach the gospel so that lost people get saved, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, and rose again. And uh, if they'll believe on that, simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be saved. But I'm also desirous to preach revival to the saved. Hey, you don't have to live the Christian life on your own. In fact, you can't. Hey, you don't have to live a defeated Christian life. You can live in victory. Hey, here's the victory that you can have through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the word of God, you can defeat the devil. You can uh, flee and overcome temptation. So that's the basic basic message of the evangelist and, and his calling. 
Amen. Amen. Well, we kind of overlapped a little bit in the second point, and, I, and it's good. It's good to talk about this kind of stuff. So we talked about the design of the evangelist. Let's talk about the desire of the evangelist. You know, uh, evangelists, we, we, there's, a, there's a stigma about evangelists in a lot of people's minds. Just I, When I talk about that, just when a when person talks about the average evangelist, that's, they're just some, some guy that struts in, into a church like a turkey, and he gets a big, fat love offering and works, you know, for 30 minutes once a week, and, and he's in it for the money. And, and we know that's not true about the, the average evangelist today. They're, they're wanting to help churches but you know what what is what is the desire of the evangelist when he goes into a church he, you know i know he he's not in there trying to get self-glory not trying to be famous not trying to sign as many bibles as he can you know when when you go into a church brother smith what is the what is the thing that you want to see happen and what is your heart attitude going into a meeting well one of my first priorities is to see that pastor encouraged i'm coming into a meeting trying to encourage the pastor spending time with him that's accomplished by uh just preaching straight and strong. And I'm not coming to preach something different than the pastor. I'm coming to preach. If we're preaching from the same book, we're going to preach the same stuff. And I'm coming in to reinforce what he's already said. You know, he he's like the parent that said, pick up your socks a thousand times and the kid doesn't get it. And then I'm kind of like the, you know, the well-loved uncle that comes in and says, hey, don't leave your socks on the floor. Pick those up. And all of a sudden somebody gets. Hmm, yeah, that's funny how that matters. Works. Talks. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm just coming in to say, you know, I'll, I'll sometimes hear somebody as they walk out the door, I haven't heard preaching like that in a long time. And, you know, in my mind, you know, I just say, well, I know that you have a preacher, a pastor that preaches straight and strong. And so I, I know that's probably not so, or they might say, I, I haven't, I haven't heard that in a long time. And the pastor preached on it last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People, sometimes they say things that they don't under, but they're, they're not saying that intentionally to hurt. I just think that they're just, they've grasped the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the gift of the evangelist is. It's a leadership gift in Ephesians four. And it's a, it's a preaching gift. Hmm. It's primarily a leadership gift and a preaching gift. And when, when I come in, my desire is to help people get it, to help them get in that local church, that the only thing that really matters is serving Jesus Christ. You know, that's why I put miles behind me down the road. That's why, you know, I go from place to place because I want people to get it because if they'll get it, and they'll get on fire and they'll get revived, a lot of the problems will take care of themselves. Mm, yes, yes. You know, it was interesting. I was just, uh, we, we had a, a revival up in, a real genuine revival up in Worcester, Massachusetts this last May. And uh, we went there. We were only supposed to be there the two weeks before Memorial Day. We ended up being there five weeks. And uh, we were under a tent and we were working with four churches and one was the host church. And uh, there was a guy there that came with one of the uh, one of the sponsoring church pastors, and uh, he led his first soul to Christ. Mm, wow! That during that meeting, I and mean, he was out on the streets passing out. Well, you know what he's doing now? He's at Bible college training for the ministry. <laughs> it doesn't always happen that way, but I thought to myself when he enrolled in Bible college, I thought, there it is. Sometimes we want Bible colleges, you know, they send out groups so that they can, you can, you know, recruit more students. But if we'd have revival, they'd have their students. Yes. And that's what our aim needs to be. If we'll have revival, the souls will be saved. If we have revival, the church will be reconciled within the body. And uh, I, that's why I'm, I'm a firm believer in it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, you know, that just sounds great. You know, I, I do believe that God has 
has gifted some men with the ability to go in and just really stir up a church. And, and that's the thing about, uh, about churches is that we get in a rut and a habit. And it's good for a man to come in and just kind of stir us up a little bit. And, uh, and that's Amen. just been the great, uh, the great use of the evangelist through the years is to do that. And, uh, and so that's wonderful. Well, uh, let's talk about this. And you and I had a conversation about this earlier today. And I want to I expound upon this because I want people to hear this kind of stuff. Uh, but we talk about the design of the evangelist, the desire of the evangelist. But let's talk about the decline of the evangelist. And uh, you and I had talked about some evangelism uh, let's talk about those again. Just say, uh, just go through that again with us more time. Yeah. Well, uh, evangelist Jim Cook, who's based out of Indianapolis, he says from his study in the early 1900s, there were 3,000 evangelists that were traveling around the circuit. Hmm. 3,000 evangelists. Okay. Now that's with a much smaller population, and that's within the continental United States. Okay. Hmm. In 1920, uh, there was a gathering of evangelists near Billy Sunday's home in Winona Lake, Indiana, and his song leader, Homer Rodehaver, and they would have the Winona Lake Bible Conference. And William Beterwolf, uh, Ed Nelson said that William Beterwolf was, uh, was the moderator, and he was probably one of the most educated evangelists of his day. And he got up before this gathering of preachers, missionaries, uh, church planners, pastors, evangelists, and he said, gentlemen, America is in trouble. There are only a thousand evangelists on the circuit. Mm, In the 80s, Phil Schuler, who was uh, the son of uh, uh, the fighting Bob Schuler, the pastor out in Los Angeles, Phil Schuler said he calculated there were 400 evangelists. Mm. Wow. And wow. in uh, about four or five years ago, I did a study and tried to find out every evangelist that I could, and I came up with 175 to 200. You know, it was interesting. I was out in Lubbock, Texas, preaching. I went down into the breakfast nook one day, and there was a Pentecostal evangelist. And I, I was just listening to him talk. And, of course, we would differ doctrinally on some points. But uh, we got to sitting there and talking. And he said to me, he said, where have all the evangelists gone? Mm, so wow. he's seeing it within a different denomination. A few years ago, there was an article written by a British author, and he wrote the very same article with the very same question, where – have all the evangelists gone? So it's not just something that's only seen in one segment of Christianity. The evangelist used to be known. He used to be understood. He used to be uh, welcomed. The gift of the huh. evangelist used to be promoted. But it's there have been a lot of mitigating factors in this. Wow. Well, you know, and, and we could speculate all day about what are the, a lot of the reasons are for all this stuff. But uh, the fact of the matter is, and I don't think anybody can do, even dispute this, is that there is a drastic decrease in number of evangelists of all kinds running these no roads doubt. today. No doubt about it. And I don't think there's any greater ministry crisis in America right now than the evangelist. If there were only 175 to 200 pastors in America, wouldn't that be calls for public prayer and fasting? If there oh, were only uh, 200 yeah. missionaries that were signed up for the foreign fields, wouldn't that be cause for public prayer and fasting? I think Paul Chapel did that book uh, years ago. Him and uh, uh, Clayton Reed did that book, and they I, they did a big survey amongst independent Baptists in, in America. And I think they came to the conclusion. You correct me if I'm wrong. I think they came to the conclusion there's 12,000 independent Baptist churches in America, and uh, and that's a broad spectrum of guys, of course, and we all understand that. Uh, right. But. Uh, no, to say that there's only 200 evangelists trying to be a blessing and help to these 12,000 churches, 
Uh, it's no wonder we're in the shape that we're in today. Right. And I think it's important to understand ideas have consequences. So mm. we talked today about uh, Louis Sperry Schaefer in his book, True Evangelism. And he basically came out and said, you know, the modern evangelist, as we know it, is is a charlatan. The gift of the evangelist is not for today or it's only a church planner or a missionary, which I'm for church mm. planning and missions. And I think anybody with a heart for the Lord is. But but words mean things and, and terms mean things in the Bible and the gifts mean things. And um, that, and his book was vehemently opposed by evangelist John R. Rice. So I think that has been a mindset that the evangelist is just a church planner. And then he attacked the invitation. I think another mitigating factor is the, um, you know, sometimes pastors will go out and they'll preach meetings. And pastors will yeah. have other pastors instead of evangelists. But there's something different mm. that happens with an evangelist preaching. A, a pastor's mm. preaching, preaching the word is going to be a help. But an evangelist is going to be different in that he's going to go right to the heart of the need right now. A pastor does that, but he does it in a different way. If right. you have an evangelist and you cut them, they're going to bleed revival and evangelism. Yes. If you ask them what's the thing they desire more than anything, they'll tell you. They'll say, you know what, I, I, I love to get the gospel to the next person. I, I love to see revival. You, you take 10 pastors, ask them what they love more than anything, and their answer invariably, 9 out of 10 or all 10 will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see my people take the next step spiritually. I'm so thankful mm -hmm. for the opportunity to do this series. It, they, they're different giftings for yes. different purposes. Right. And understood and work together rightly, it's a power packed punch. Right, right, amen. You know, and the thing is, we're we're not trying to pit offices against each other, trying to say no. pastor versus evangelist versus right. missionary. Let's all have a royal rumble, see who's better. Of course, that's just right. not how this works. I mean, that you, you know, everybody has a different role in the ministry. Right, and uh, and and we just we just feel that the role of the evangelist is to be a gift and a blessing and a help to a church. And uh, man, I know I I know many times just looking back through the years of I got saved in two thousand one as a teenager when I was eighteen, and just looking back and seeing. Mm -hmm. All the great messages that I've heard from evangelists through the years. I mean, God has his hand over these men. I mean, I, I remember many times when I was at Crown College hearing Larry Clayton preach and just unbelievably encouraging things. And he was a gift to me. Uh, when he preached there and, uh, you know, bro, you talked about Brother Comfort and, and just so many men that I know that uh, that have done all this stuff. And uh, and so that's just been a great, great blessing to me. But it, the sad thing is, is, it's almost like there's this there's this secret Holocaust of evangelists and they're just right. uh, they're they're not making it. Uh, young guys that are starting out in the ministry and they're in their 20s are trying to get the ball rolling on evangelism. And, and you, you see them, they get to about 26, 27, they take a church. And, uh, you know, we know that God leads people. But, I, you know, I, I, I've wondered for a long time, why are these guys not making it? Why are they not lasting the long haul? And uh, and so I know that these guys have got a great gift of preaching and could be a great encouragement to to ministries. And so I want to I want to segue into another uh, segment of this, Brother brother Smith here. And I, I just want to just ask you this. Uh, what You know, people are out there listening and they're thinking and they're, they're hearing these things. And uh, I'm sure the question would come up in their mind. How can a church use the, the, the gift and the blessing of an evangelist? 
evangelist? What what can a church do uh, to help an evangelist and to strengthen evangelists, and uh, so that evangelists can strengthen other churches? What can they do? Well, I think that's a fantastic question. The first thing that I would say is pray for evangelists. Pray number one that God would. He's the Lord of the harvest, and He's not in heaven wringing His hands. But but I believe He wants us to pray, and He said pray that the the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into His harvest. So pray. There there could be an incredible impact on our country's culture if evangelists were released and sent out and encouraged. So pray and then pray for evangelists, pray for specifically for evangelists, get one and pray for them. Let them know you're praying for them. Um, uh, make, we have uh, churches have missionaries. Why, why couldn't churches have evangelists and just pray for them and lift them up. And uh, then I think it's important that churches and pastors uh, support them. Uh, you know, when they help support them financially and have them in for meetings, that's huge. And that goes along. Maybe an evangelist feels burdened to go to the mission field. I know you've had several stints on the mission field. Support that and encourage that the burden that God's laid upon his heart and uh, then have him in to preach. You know, evangelist, if he's walking in the spirit and preaching the word, is going to preach the gospel very clearly. Many times I've heard people say, hey, man, I, I, that's just the clearest presentation of the gospel. Well, that's not me. Uh, that's no glory to anybody or another evangelist. It's just that it's their gifting, and, mm -hmm. and it's the way that God supernaturally gifts them. So have them in for special days. Have them in for revival meetings. Have them in for a revival meeting that will segue into an evangelistic meeting. And uh, mm -hmm. Uh, use the gift, use the preaching gift of the evangelist at, at beast feasts and, and uh, wild game suppers and, and special men's gatherings and ladies teas and youth meetings. And, and uh, uh, just, just really, uh, I really think there's a number of ways that churches can use evangelists and encourage evangelists along the way. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that God has his hand all over so many evangelists across this country. And uh, one of them is Brother Dwight Smith. And I appreciate him so very much. He's one. Of, he's a good guy and doing a great work out there. Uh, Brother Smith, why don't you just tell us real quick uh, how folks, maybe you have a website they can get in, in touch with you and yeah. get involved with you and contact you somehow. Well, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on your broadcast and podcast. It's a great blessing. DwightSmith.org is my website, www.DwightSmith.org. And uh, that has an itinerary and it has updates. And it has, uh, it has uh, just different things that we're doing down the road. And we're super excited about uh, uh, how the Lord is opening doors to preach the gospel right here in America and overseas. Amen. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Dwight Smith's one of the great men uh, that's doing a great work. He's got all kinds of uh, his schedules, just busy, busy, running up and down these roads and uh, man, just just burning it up for Jesus. And so uh, go to his website and visit him and try to get a hold of him. Have him in. He'll be a blessing to you guys and appreciate that so very much. Him taking the time to come out with us. And uh, you can hear he's driving down the road. He got his kids in the back. Amen. And they're they're back there having this intense fellowship. Amen. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, well, Brother Smith, we're going to go ahead and uh, cut it off here, but uh, say a final word real quick, uh, real quick to everybody out there listening, and uh, just uh, just be able well, to I, us, and then we'll step off here. I'll tell you, I just want to say that he must increase, that I must decrease. Jesus Christ is is the greatest friend that any man could ever know and have, and he's the friend of sinners, and he loves you. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you ought to trust him today. And if you do, you ought to tell everybody about him because Jesus is the friend of sinners. 
Amen. Spoken just like a true evangelist. Amen. <laughs> and so, well, good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this podcast today. This is our friend Dwight Smith here with us. And I'm your host, Spencer Smith. And if you got any other ideas or anything you want us to talk about on this broadcast, feel free to email me, missionaryspencersmith at gmail.com, missionaryspencersmith at gmail.com. Subscribe to our podcast, and uh, and that'll be great. And we're going to bring many more podcasts just like this one. And uh, we'd like to have Brother Smith on here more. We're probably going to talk about some controversial stuff for too long. Amen. And uh, some very important issues of our day. And uh, who knows what we're, where, where we'll go with all that. So that'd be great. So uh, visit Dwight Smith's website, DwightSmith.com. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Brother Smith, thank you so much. We appreciate you, my brother. Yes, sir. Lord bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.